My kids think I'm an ancient tool. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast. Podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Building, Holden of Cold Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. On this week's episode, we get right with our makers. Colton nearly loses a digit. Ross has to eat crow and epoxy. And just takes us back to the dawn of civilization. All of that and more is coming right up on this episode of the Beat Around the Bench podcast. Now for episode 46, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Gentlemen. The Long Kiss So where are you at right now, Ross? I am currently in the bustling metropolis of Rapid City, South Dakota. All right. Is it a rapid city? South Dakota. Yeah, uh, I am literally like four miles away from Mount Rushmore right now. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I always wanted to go there. Yeah. It's definitely a different part of the world. It is not anything you'd expect. And can you describe that? So (laughs) it is something you'd expect in that, like, it is definitely much more of like a a working man's town and it's not like okay it's not like blue collar like steel mill it's blue collar like these people are truck drivers for a living or they are um uh like they own some sort of like service kind of industry job and or they own a ranch or like they are just built tougher around here they have starbucks uh they do have starbucks but they also have (laughs) sinclair gas station and a few other things but um, okay. they are very, very proud of Mount Rushmore and the heritage that it, that it holds. And uh, they are very, very patriotic around here. So there is not only uh, I feel like I outposts, but there's also like the, the National Guard is based uh, here in or the South Dakota National Guard is based here in Rapid City. Um, all the helicopters that the presidents fly on as well as uh, some attack helicopters all come out of here. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a nugget. Yeah. That's very patriotic. All right. Very cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I am out here doing, selling yeah. some whiskey. They need it. Yeah. Oh, get her yeah. done. Yeah. Jess, you wouldn't move out there. Oh, man. There's listen. no palm trees in South There's Dakota. There's not many trees, listen. let alone what are you palm trees. about, man? Well, first, first of all, I've lived in Florida as long as I can remember. And we've talked about it a lot lately, like, like people just keep letting me down and I just want to have like a place that's like with a lot of land away from everybody and like normal people that Mm. don't try to like scam me on Facebook every five minutes or cut me off in traffic or just all the things where people just make no sense, no courtesy. The gym. Oh, God, the people that don't wipe down stuff. Like, just, I don't know. People just are are bugging me, man. Uh, They're just bugging me. Like, they just have become so, I, I, maybe it's social media, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's both. People have become so inconsiderate and selfish and quick to rage. And I just, um, I just. Oh, do you have some road rage stuff going on? It's, I don't get road rage at all. But I literally am like, well, he just is pulling out in front of me. Yeah, I'm going 70. Like, it's just like people honk when the light turns immediately. I mean, it's just crazy. And um, mm. and and I and the people on social media, like uh, like when we try to sell stuff, they try to scam us all the time. 
and and I'm gonna, you know, I I just it's just people just keep letting me down. I just want to. Well, I, I don't think moving's gonna fix that. It is but, if I don't become a hermit. I, I think <laughs> I can do the podcast fair. from Rapid City. <laughs> Yeah, as long as and you got us some, some internet, man, you can do it. No, I, I just, I, I, uh, I do want, I do want a piece of property though with a big piece of land, you know, and, and it ain't gonna happen yeah. here. Prices of houses are very expensive. Very, very. Well, expensive. you know, I, hey, try, try this on for size. Like the, uh, still in the concept phase, but we get a little bit of land, a little bit outside of Houston, you know, and we start a compound, right? David Koresh like, did uh, that we'll outside with, of Waco. Yeah, and they shot. They, they all drink. Well, we shouldn't call it yeah, a compound. Well, maybe me, different name. <laughs> well, me as leader, I won't take the burden oh. of sleeping with all the women. Oh, I'll, I'll let. I'll, I'll just. I'll. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, dispense that to. That's good else. of you. Okay, um, to your minions. All right. Yeah, so I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I'll, I'll let everyone handle that on themselves. I think that's where. Well, there's still an initiation. Usually. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how good your how good your dovetail joint? Yeah, well, and, and it gets uh, some views. Think how good you are in society. Yep. <laughs> Podcast members move into a compound together. I think we'd get some uh, views on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so no doubt. What is wrong with your thumb, dude? So I actually had the most, um, I guess, up to this point, catastrophic injury. What happened in the shop from a toy? Catastrophic is not the right word, but I was saying like the most so far. And like, if we flash back to no. handful episodes, like early on, <laughs> uh, I, I made an analogy with drunk driving and running a table saw. Yes. Right. Like everyone who gets a DUI, it's not their first time drunk driving, right? Probably not. Cause your first time doing it, you're all nervous and whatever. And it's whenever you get too comfy with it. Right. And so this was not from a table saw, but I, oh, I got too comfy. I had a Forstner bit, right? Probably, I mean, I think this thing was about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. And inch it's and something three. I should have put on the drill press. And I should have like fastened my piece down and run it through the drill press. But I was in a hurry, just making this quick thing. And I put it on a drill. Okay. It was like a hand drill. All right. And... So I was. Uh, Were you trying to one hand this piece of plywood? I was. Yep, holding the piece down with one hand, okay. and uh, so I was getting the hole started with my with the drill with the other hand, and like I was going slow, like, and then I saw, thought I broke the top seal, and it was going, and then so I just let her rip, and all of a sudden it catches right, one of those big edges catch, right, and it tears all through the board and up my hand. And I had a big old flapping piece of meat coming off. Good. And it, it like it started at the top of my thumb. That's where I got the biggest gouge. And then I got a second gouge. And then it went into like the crease of my hand between my pointer and thumb. And it made some good gouges in there. And I did it. And it's one of those things where you just like hold it to stop the bleeding, take a breath. You know, like I messed up. Let's correct this from here. And like, uh, I went to the sink, tried to not get blood on the floor and the handles of all the doors that had to get to the kitchen sink, and I started rinsing it. And luckily, um, my buddy Dylan is in town this week. Um, he's the guy – he was my roommate for like four or five years. 
He, he's actually the one who had the initial idea for this LED resin cornhole hmm. board. And, uh, Did he come I to pick up his residual on. check? <laughs> yes. uh, he keeps asking for it, but uh, I told him it's in yeah. the mail. But um, but yeah, he moved to Colorado, but he's in town this week for rodeo stuff. That's actually how I met him was we were uh, rookie buddies on uh, Breeders Greeters for the rodeo. Welcome and, to Walmart, yeah, he, would you he, like he a was... buggy? <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's staying with us. And I was like, hey, Dylan, I need your help. And, like, he was uh, he was in the living room. He was like, with what? It's like, I cut myself. And he was like, oh, ouch, crybaby. And I was like, it's kind of bad. Can you help me bandage myself up? And um, he did like the gauze and all that. And, uh, oh, actually, I was going to send y'all a picture of it. Y'all aren't squeamish, right? No. I mean, I'm not squeamish, <laughs> but I don't know if I want to see your thumb. I mean, I, I kind of sent you where our guy cut the end of his well, fingers. Well, I, I, I just sent you. I wanted to see y'all's reaction live. See what you thought. Jess, Which, are, these are you pictures, the I guy, couldn't get a good picture. Jess, are you talking about the guy from Perkins Builders? No, the guy that worked with us, oh. he was left-handed and he held everything goofy. And I kept trying to get him to switch his hands. And one day he was just like off in another world. And he was, we were, we had, we we're making, we made all this stuff out of pallet wood. And, but I would take the pallet wood, denail it, and then edge joint and trim it. So they'd be nice and straight. And he ran his pinky and ring finger on his right hand. Yeah, on his right hand. And he let mm. it drag on the joiner as he pushed Yee. the board through. And he just ran uh. the spiral bit. And he just ran him through. I mean, in a millisecond. And I heard screaming. And then he's flinging. There's blood on the ceiling. <laughs> were and, they gone? No. Um, the tips he were. lost about a third of the nail. All the way down to like the bone tips. Okay. Okay. So it's just a little shorter. Yeah. yeah. You can live with that. Colton, the pictures you I, sent I us, a guy and, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a little graphic, but it's not as bad as it oh, could have been. You got the cross of your hand. Though. Oh, that's I know. What, so you, you see that V yes. right there that peels back. Oh, that's fun. Like completely back in, in like a pyramid Ooh. shape. Yeah. I was only able to get those pictures because I was washing the blood off and like uh, I was able to pull it out long enough for it to start well, bleeding again. Take a picture. Well, of at least it, but, you got it. Which on. it wasn't that bad, but you know what? It was a great wake up call. Be like, hey, you're getting too comfy. Pollyanna you know what? I'm just glad again. I didn't lose any length on my thumb. You know, and like uh, as soon as I did it, I was able to. <laughs> yeah, round of applause. Brought to you uh, by as soon Pollyanna. as I did it. I was able to move my thumb like the joint enough. So I knew I didn't hit a tendon. It was just kind of in the meat on the side, but it was a good wake up call. Like, Hey, you're getting too comfy. Start being scared of again a little bit more. You could have just clamped the piece down and you would have been fine. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot I could have done to be a little bit safer. So I have a question about this. What mm -hmm. brand of Forstner bit was this? Uh, Oh, uh, Freud. Really? The Freud. A good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was it wasn't rusty either. Um, I bought a cheap set of the Ryobi's yeah. one day because they had like this odd size I needed. Worst Forstner bits I've ever used. So in my life. I will really. say something about the Ryobi Forstner bits versus most other Forstner bits, being that theirs are like kind of like a almost a straight blade, versus yes. they are much easier to sharpen than a lot of other right. ones. Right. I could I don't think I could sharpen it for you because oh. it's got that round thing around it. So I actually I switched to the Ryobi blades uh for Forstner bits 
I had the Irwin ones before. Y'all are sharpening your force Dude, nerves? constantly. Like, almost every time that I use it. That's oh. awesome. <laughs> that Freud, might have saved my thumb no, today, too. <laughs> I, I sent my Freud ones off to oh, be sharpened, no. right? Because yeah. it was like $2 to get it sharpened. But the Freud ones have like that partial bit of a circle. Yep. And it's yeah. like beveled in and rounded yep. towards the thing. And so that way it like kind of does that nice pretty cut around the edge so you don't get any splintering. And but the Ryobi ones, you're right. It's like points. It's yeah. like all points. I tell you who else has one, Craig, and the Craig one that comes with like their door drill oh, yeah, kit yeah. or like like the cabinet yeah. set. It has teeth. It has like notched teeth, which I think you could probably sharpen that yourself. Yes, but oh. it works okay. Well, the Freud ones work really good. Ross, so what are you sharpening? your uh forstner bits with so like like you have like a stone no so i actually if you go to either harbor freight or to there was one other spot that had it as well but started harbor freight they have a small it's basically like a a drill bit sharpening set and it's like three dollars and there's like six really skinny what look like kind of knives if you will and some of them are rounded on one side or completely rounded. Some of them are flat. But I got this set at, you know, Harbor Freight for a few bucks. And I sharpened my Forstner bits and my drill bits or my, um, like, router bits almost every time that I use them. And, and it works? Unbelievably well. Because all you're doing, it's yeah. like using a stropping, you know. Yeah. A strop to then just get the, the blade set up again. So if you do it like right before you use the blade and it's only like five or six strokes on each side of the blade. So you make it even as long as you're doing evenly, it literally just like you stay at the angle of the blade and you run those little skinny knives against it. And it just flattens that edge or or like sharpens that edge because it puts the teeth back together and they cut perfectly. I I had the little credit card diamond thing. They're real thin. Yeah. And the, I'll take a, you take the router bit, you take the bearing off if it has a bearing. Yeah. And generally there's like, like on a chamfer, there's a nice big flat side and you just hold that flat with a little bit of like oil mm-hmm. and rub it and go like, you know, like 400, 600, 1200. Yeah. And it gets some pretty like sharp. olive oil, vegetable oil? Uh, WD-40 or just uh, gun oil. Sometimes I have gun oil. It's real light compressor oil. Whatever. I use lard. Yeah. Lard. Yeah, yeah, it smells nice it when, smells yeah. Speaking of that. Margarine. Yeah. Y'all ever use a CLP? No, you talked about uh, it before. I have? Yeah, I, oh, I I imagine it's probably pretty good. I've heard of it before. Yeah, it. Uh, which that was a nugget from a buddy I got. But, um, but yeah. So how's right. the, I remember, so the I thumb's going to be okay? Yeah, it, um, I could have gone and got stitches on it, but. Like they're probably just gonna do butterfly stitches on it, and we were able to wrap it tight enough to where I can't move it to like break the the seam of yeah, the skin, right? You'll be all right. And so I figured we'll 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 try it out here at the house. I tried to drill and a then, hole in a clock. This was before my woodworking days, uh, and with a big giant brand new half inch drill bit, so that it could hang mm-hmm. and it was metal. And not thinking, I just had my hand behind it. And like went and it popped through and I had like a little pig curly cue in the palm of my hand. Oh. Um, Cause the palm of your hand in the middle. 
like Ooh. right he's doing here. his jesus impression see it. right, right yeah, i about to say it's like jesus yeah yeah that, oh that, man anything you need, the worst i ever got was i cut i cut this knuckle on my left hand on my pointer finger with a miter saw and just like you know how like as soon as you feel it and then you let go of the saw i had like a double compound and i was holding a small piece and i just wasn't it was i was new to miter saws but it wasn't so bad it was bad the next day when i bent my hand and it would open yeah you know yeah. like you would squeeze your hand i had to pull mud up a rope anyway yeah yeah so, i started having some stuff like that um so dylan he's a good cook while he's at our house we uh we were doing some stuff on the grill and I was helping him set the grill up and I ended up moving my thumb a little bit and I started to feel it. It's like, Ooh, that's a little sharp. Ooh, it's a little sharp pain. Okay. Shouldn't well, I'm glad it wasn't worse. Yeah. I know me too. And you know what? It's a great wake up call. I need to uh, thank goodness. It wasn't a mistake on the uh, table, mm-hmm. saw, which I feel like I'm pretty good about staying aware of, but you know what? Everyone, we need to wake up. Calls, yeah. Dude. We need wake-up calls, and this was a good one for me. I like it. Speaking of table saws, I made something interesting today for the table saw, if you would like to hear it. I would love to hear it, Jess. Uh What did you do? So we're making um, that bench for Habitat for Humanity, and there's a lot of angle cuts on it, like tapered legs. Yeah. Right? And so in the past, I would always just kind of like make a jig for that leg. Right. Okay. Like I would just yeah. take a piece of plywood and then put two other pieces on it and get it to the yeah. angle that so it's hanging off the edge, make like a sled. Yeah. So today I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make one that I can keep for like forever. And just adjust. So it. all yeah. I did, yeah, all I did was I took a piece of half inch plywood, I routed quarter inch slots, three of those, like up towards the the left side. And then so that they'll hold the little the little bolts that go in T slots. Yeah. 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 And I and then I routed a little channel for the head of the thing to go in, just fit just underneath. Just like I do yeah. a lot of my jigs. And then I made a long runner that I could adjust like left and right or pivot. And I even put like little slots up and down in that so I can slide it up and down and turn it left and right. Hmm. And then I put one at the bottom that had two slots that went up and down so that I could get it. And then I just put my piece right where I want it, slide it over, slide the bottom up, tighten the knobs, and it's got two clamps. Those little little yeah. clap down clamps. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. First try. I was so excited. And it's a, it's big enough to do like a bar height table leg on it. So yeah. Dude. Yeah. It's dude. like the greatest thing. Good job, Jess. Yeah. Okay. So I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked. I like repeatability. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Dude, hey, a, a a good jiggle last well, year. Well, every leg is a little bit tapered and a little bit different. So I would have had to make a jig for each and every leg that would have just wound up getting yeah. taking up space. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Really I'll nice. put a video out so people can see how I did it. Cool. Oh yeah, look at it, you. Man. Yeah, putting videos out. Putting videos out. <laughs> that is what we do. Okay. Yeah, R- Ross. Uh, I think we should add or and Jess. Uh, I think we should add. A uh, a golf clap, yeah. You know, it's like, like a, a simple like a soft yeah. clap. Is this one? Yeah, for like this then, one's then, good. Then like the big clap. Yeah, it's good, but it, it, we need a softer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't saying for yours. Your no, but we need. But I was just saying for a variety general, that might be fun. A variety yeah. of claps. Like, like if someone says something like that's a, cool. But, 
Slow clap. Yeah. <laughs> Slow clap. Yeah. <laughs> cricket, cricket. Makes our clack, clappings yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> so I oh. had a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a snafu in my shop this week, but um, had a bit of a downer mm. point. Oh. Uh, so I have been making that Elm slab table and I was really, really happy with the finish. In fact, that was my nugget for last week is the two, two phase finish. And then I, yeah. to me, it looked incredible. And then I put the nano three ceramic coating on there and it made Over oil. Uh, well, I had wiped off the excess oil, but like uh-huh. Rubio is an oil. So technically it works. Yeah. Hard wax oil, yeah. The issue I was up against, though, is that where I had flooded some epoxy to level out some dips, uh-huh. the epoxy areas became super high gloss with the ceramic coating, uh, and the rest of the table became satin right. finish. Right. And as I looked at it, I thought to myself, if this was getting delivered to me, I would be super pissed with the amount that yes. this guy is paying. And so I had to call the customer and tell him I'm not happy with it. And I'm unfortunately I need more time, but I'm not going to deliver this until I'm happy with it. And, um, so yeah, how they take that. He, he, they they take news. Well, he did. Uh, the customer took it very well. He said, take as much time with you need or as you need. I appreciate you doing it right. Rather than just trying to stiff me with it. So, so it's time yeah. to sand it and polyurethane it, lacquer it. I'm gonna sand it some, and then I am going to there. I found a local shop very close to me that has a five by ten CNC, and I am gonna have to mill it some more as it is flat to then take out as much of the dips as I can and uh, refinish the entire thing. You don't want to do a router slide. I have a router sled, but it's not gonna work. proficient enough to do this correctly with this tabletop. Yeah. yeah, if you got the CNC connection, I get that. Heck yeah, um, be perfect. One one question uh, or idea, I guess, um, on the spots that were high gloss, like where the resin mm-hmm. was, uh, did you try going over it lightly with maybe like a four hundred? I went over it with a thousand paper? grit even, and uh, it did take the gloss down some, but the problem was it just the the dips that were in the tabletop if i take off like an eighth of an inch it gets rid of the majority of the spots where i need epoxy there is one spot on one far end where there's like almost a half an inch difference or at least a quarter inch difference from the highest to the lowest part because that's where the the crotch wood was and it just moved when it was being sawed or sawn yeah, sawn. Um, so there was a little bit of variance there, but I'm going to save as much of it as I can, and I may have to fill in a piece with some scrap wood that I have that is the same tree, and uh, go from there. But we'll see. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? Do it right, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. So here's another thought before you send it off to the CNC. This was my thought from the beginning when you had the dips in it. What if? You you get it sanded, you know, where it's all like maybe sand it to 150 or 200 or something, mm-hmm. and you just do a full epoxy pour. 
level. So I thought of that. And I thought of even trying to do that, like take off the current epoxy and then just do a thin epoxy over the whole thing. Yeah. The customer wants to be able to feel the grain of the wood. They do not want epoxy okay. on the whole thing. Well, that ain't going to work. Yeah. That ain't gonna, yeah. Well, it has some type of epoxy, right? It does right now. But of, he was like, yeah. I think that's the only way we're going to be able to get those dips. I can maintain as much of the thickness of the table. So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's no fixing crooked wood. It's either going to be flat or it's not. Correct. It's really, really hard. So Or epoxy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on. If you dip, we dip. Mm-hmm. So the the stuff did stick to the oil stuff. Yeah, really the well. Ceramic coat and I will say the ceramic coat, as it was curing, and it cured for about three days, it's supposed to, when you put on the hard coat, which is the first layer, that one did pretty well. And after 24 hours, I was able to put on the top coat. I noticed two things. Number one, apparently on the hard coat, I had left some smudges that I didn't see initially. And when I put the top coat on, those would have been there forever. And that annoyed the out of me. I got to mark that time. Um, <laughs> that annoyed the- Oh, there's one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that annoyed the hell out of me. And so I, I knew I was going to have to fix it either way. But when I put the top coat on, I did three coats of the top coat. And it ended up becoming... Pretty, I don't want to say like slick, but it was almost like being on an air hockey table. Like you could take a, a microfiber cloth mm. and just glide it across. Mm. Oh, it was real, you but it was a chill bumps. I know, but it was a satin finish. And that was the That's craziest okay. part. That was what was awesome to yeah. me. It didn't have this high gloss, but it was like super slick. And I was so, so waiting to like get to the day seven when they say you could finally put like liquid on her and just like drop a little bit of water and watch it yeah, beat yeah, up. Yeah. I was so excited for that. Yeah. So what's the application? Is it just a clear liquid? Is yeah. it a paste wax? So it is, is it? a clear liquid. There are two vials of a clear liquid. So the hard coat, you basically, you break whatever um, piece you're working on in this case, a tabletop into anywhere from two to three sections. And you basically wipe down or wet down the, this uh, applicator pad, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you you do it in small sections, and then you let it start to get a little tacky, and then you buff it, and you move on to the next section, and rinse and repeat, and um, okay. you l- wait like fifteen to twenty minutes between coats, and then you can build up as many as you want. And they recommend two to three of each. So interesting. I've kind of seen it before. Yeah, I wanted to say it's uh, the same thing. It's it it's definitely a process I'm going to do again on this table and I'm going to be real happy with it, but I want to make sure that the, the product underneath is not garbage before you seal it in forever. I had, I had a, a Oak, maybe Oak, maybe monkey pot. I can't remember slab one time. And I had a lot of hard times, uh, router sledding it because it was hitting the knots. There was like this crotch knot thing going on and it was so hard. And I had the most expensive bit that there was with a little carbide teeth and it was just burning Mm -hmm. and getting tear out and everything big. I had all the right stuff and it still didn't work, but I still got through it. By the time I got done, that thing was probably close to two inches thick. By the time I got done, it was probably almost an inch and a quarter thick. 
Yeah. Because it was so crooked. Oh, wow. And so it is what it is. Well, the, you know? the hard part I have slab. as well, yeah. too, is I've already countersunk on the bottom, the sea channel. Yes. I thought about that. As well as the, the, the legs were only countersunk or the base was only countersunk like a little bit. But and we're talking like an eighth of an inch. But the, the sea channels were like a half inch. And then the screws came up from there. So if I take off, like, oh yeah, there's only an inch and three quarters, maybe seven eighths at the biggest part. So by the time I take some more meat off, I may have to do some hole filling and get creative with where the screws come through. What about mm. some, a template and a piece of glass on top? We're just kidding. <laughs> you could do that. I'm I'm not opposed to it, but. You know how people doing the river tables now with the glass down the middle? Yeah. Yeah. What if you just made a template, a real pretty template, take it to a place, have them cut it out from the template, and then put a piece of glass on top? That's not a that's not a horrible idea. Yeah, it's all flat now and perfect. And you can still do your finish on it. It can have humps and dumps and you can still see the grain and you can touch it on the side and Hmm. I'd throw that at it. So I have I have a lady that wants me to repair a piece of glass that is this big arch thing in on top of it. Yeah. And I'm like, surely a glass company can make of shape. Mm-hmm. And I said, can I make a template for you? Like out of plywood? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Hmm. We can do that. And so I'm like, oh, well that opens up a world of possibilities. Hmm. It's expensive, yeah. but it, I mean, they'll, they can do it. Yeah. I'll have to look at the cost difference between the, um, the CNC time versus the glass, but that's not a bad idea. I don't hate that. That piece of glass here would cost you like, 600 bucks hmm. probably i think the cnc is like 50 bucks an hour and i'm probably yeah. two to three hours of time on it to just level back and forth so we'll see maybe it's going to be good maybe it won't but we'll see i think it might go a whole different world and it might be like you might might start the new next thing never know i love it never know yeah it's very glass is so practical for a table it's yeah. just so practical for a table and you still yeah. get to see it i did look up you put LEDs I, I in. Have to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speak my language. Light it up. No, I, I did have to look up glass makers, uh, I think like a year and a half ago. I had a, uh, a real estate agent coming to me looking. She was looking to have like lanterns made with like a wood frame yeah. and then like a, where you put like a kind of a candle and her logo would be yeah. on the top or in the, it, I think it'd be in the base. But I couldn't find glass like commonly in the size that she needed and i looked up glass makers and i found like some real like small companies that were cutting glass around me and uh it was decently economical yeah, yeah. hell uh, you can even go to- it wasn't as low as she was looking because she's looking for a lot of quantity you can go to like lowe's and was, home uh, depot and they can cut you like a small piece yeah they can cut glass yeah. at home depot just eight inches oh. all they got i yeah. think the but if you're doing it for like a picture frame or something they do it at michael's Perfect. as well yeah I will also tell you, you can go to a glass place and they will sell you their leftovers Oh, and they have uh, miles of leftovers and they can cut a straight piece of glass in about 20 seconds. Hmm. So I tell you what is not cheap in glass is a beveled edge because they want around. They moved in the round in their coffee table mm-hmm. as a quarter inch thick piece of glass with a one inch bevel down to an eighth. That is not cheap. Hmm. It is hmm. very expensive to get somebody to grind a round edge down. I don't know how they do it, but they do it right there in house, and it's expensive. Yeah, it's like four hundred bucks well, for a piece of glass. Yeah, 
Well, if you're doing an application where you can't really see the edges, like they're hidden, like for this lantern idea we yeah. had, uh, you could also do like a acrylic sheets, sheets yes. of acrylic, yes, or like some HDPE or something like you that. You cut down yeah. table saw. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Okay. What else are you doing? Well, uh, I actually got asked to do a quote on some uh, new tops for some standing desks. Uh, the guy I built the poker table for, he bought like three standing desks. He's like, I absolutely hate the tops that came on these. Can you make me some new ones? So I got to quote that out. Luckily, it won't be too bad, but he wants to turn some of them into like an L-shaped desk. So like combine two standing desks to make one. So I don't know if he wants it to be adjustable or not, but I will look into all that. It's been the month of tops. I had a guy with a, one of those like RVs that you take to a, um, like a show, yeah. you know, like a, a Ford Transit turned into a, yeah. a livable thing. This one's BA. I mean, it's freaking awesome with like all wheel drive and big tires on it and everything. And he did some of the work and he wants me to basically put this real designer laminate stuff all over the cabinets yeah. and redo his countertops and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Nice. I, I want to do that. And and then I had some two other people reach out to us on Facebook or on Google and Facebook about just making random tops for things. So Okay. All right. So I actually have a question for you boys. Uh this episode oh, yeah. will drop. This will be the last one that will drop before WorkbenchCon, before people leave for WorkbenchCon. Oh, you're right. So, because our, our next episode will drop while we are all there, which is great, because we can tell everybody, go check this out. But, in the meantime, what do each of you guys have as a can't-miss thing to do at WorkbenchCon 2024? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I usually zero out at one class. Usually will just speak to me and I'll be like, oh, well, I need to do that. Okay. And I'll make sure that I'm there early for that and don't miss that. Um, that's, I, I like classes. I don't know. You like to I'm learn. I'm kind of big on classes. I, I just, I don't know. I just love it. Cool. I don't know. Especially when somebody's a good teacher or is an articulate, I kind of absorb it. But I'm interested to, um, I have some questions, some specific questions and the, I'm going to spend more time. I think this time talking to people because I know some of them now and asking some more questions. I mean, we've had just the people on, that we've had on the podcast, ask them specific questions about their business and stuff like that and how they got around certain obstacles. Okay. How about you, Colton? You know what? You excited to go to class this time? You might excited to get out before one. So I yeah, I, cool. I can actually promise classes are cool and all. I can promise Colton will be up because Colton Woo! is going to be sharing a room. Stay up, maybe with this man, <laughs> with this guy. Oh, you're sharing a room with him. Uh, I am. Colton is sharing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. And Colton was Ooh. excited to save a few bucks, and I was excited to make sure Colton is up for class, and it's going to be yes. a match made in heaven. Yep. Well, I mean, going he'll be to going class, to bed baby. as soon as you're getting up, so it'll be easy. Yeah. You guys will pass each other in the hallway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for me, for Workbench Con 2024, I, well, sure, classes are exciting. I, I, I can't wait to learn some stuff in those classes. But what I'm excited about 
is I want at least mm, I want every one of the vendors there to at least remember that one guy who told them all about BATB beat around the bench and what we do in our mantra in our niche in this industry. I want them all to remember that. So whenever I'm blowing up, up with emails later, trying to get a sponsorship that they, they remember us. And, uh, that is, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I like it. That and expanding just like networking. Yeah. Man. Like, uh, I, I think I've talked about this before, but there it's, it's a crazy thing whenever you go to workbench con or maker camp or whatever, any of these events, like whenever you approach somebody, you're already on a cool different level. Like you, but you know, you're both makers, mm-hmm. right. And you're eager to learn about each other's stuff. Like, you're talking to people who you don't have to explain what a miter saw mm-hmm. is, right? Or beveled cut is like it, it. It you're already kind of broke the ice in a certain way, and it just leads to this whole real quick networking, and like you're able to become friends with people very quickly. And I, 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 that, I cannot wait for nice. it. Nice. It, yeah, I, I am, I'm ecstatic. Oh, and yep, going the. Uh, I am going. I booked my flight an extra day early. Ooh! And um, yeah, I, I heard that there's some some networking that goes on a little bit before that, and so I'm gonna sink our BATB teeth into that nice. and uh, see see if I can't do some good. For Should us I there. mail you your hat? Boys. so you can have it early. Uh, no, no, we'll. we'll uh, no, it's not important. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think we gotta worry about that. That's no, okay. Hey, I, I was wanting to still uh, see if I could. Do you still have some extra BATB patches? I do not, but I can make them pretty fast. Okay. I I, I was wanting to maybe try to send you a, a, a separate hat for that, but Dude, I've been send fascinated it. that. Well, and yeah. I've not sent it it's yet. It's getting so. kind of late. So you know what I did make today? <laughs> yeah, it is. You know what I did make today uh, and finally got that figured out? Poopies in I the made... toilet? No. Oh. I about to say a good well, bowel movement. Yeah, yeah you beat probably. me to it. <laughs> well, yeah, I did have fiber. All right, so no. Ooh, attaboy. I made. Um, I ordered neonidium magnets on Amazon. Nice. Which is like the coolest thing ever. And is I that kind of like the rare earth magnets? Or are they different? Yeah, that is it. They're rare earth magnets. Okay. Super strong little suckers. And I made four by two burnt cut magnets. That say Woodworks Tampa Bay, and I'm going to make Jess build it once tomorrow. Nice. To you get... cut through the magnets with your laser? No, with the plywood that I'm going to glue them to. Oh, gotcha. It's a quarter-inch plywood. Yeah. And it took me a little bit to get the laser where it would cut through it, but I finally got it. And so I'm going to give some of those out, too. Like, if I gives out stickers, I might give out some magnets to nice. an elite few. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I need to make sure I get stickers, more stickers. Yeah. yeah. Time is coming up here, Colton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like in like I a know. day. I'm gonna have to get the rush shipping on it. Golly. Yeah, we're so right. it's only been a year. You had time to plan. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, well, I've been giving a lot out, man. So uh, I will say uh, I am most looking forward to two things. Number one, to Colton's point, uh, doing a lot of networking and expanding, just kind of the the maker community. I'm really excited about that, and starting some new opportunities as far as potential sponsorships or what opportunities are there. But I'm also really excited to share 
both of my worlds with everybody from the whiskey side oh, to yeah. I am so excited for you and this doesn't do something for you like I don't know what will. Yeah, like the the uh, and I will say the amount of planning that goes into going as just an attendee to Workbench Con versus somebody who's going to be a sponsor slash event person at Workbench Con drastically different. There's a lot of stuff you got to plan. I get you got a whole team of people. Well, yes and no. Um, there are only two of us coming out this year, uh, but we're 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 kind of bootstrapping some things to see. But we have a lot of plans in the works, and there's some partnerships coming up. Uh, there's all kinds of good things happening, which is great. It's just a lot of little nitty gritty things of like I don't punch understand list. how they haven't how like Old Elk or another whiskey company hasn't come to one of these before. Do they not know what makers are? So like, the I, I the the mm-hmm. bigger thing was that, um, in all honesty, in the whiskey industry, everyone was under the impression that you had to be at these big whiskey shows and do every whiskey type event. I don't think people realize that they could come to these kind of events and yeah. the play. It's more impactful. I agree because much more, we, impactful. we will have a dedicated audience and we are the only spirit or whiskey provider for this event. So it's free booze. I mean, yeah, with a bunch of alcoholics. Well, who love yeah, whiskey. I guess for those who missed it, you should try like, AA meetings. That would be a good market for you. Guys. It's like going for, uh, you know, going to try oh. to meet people at the Lamaz class. You know, they put out. That's that's like some yeah, Marlboro right. kind of marketing right yeah. there. <laughs> Guerrilla warfare. Oh man. <laughs> well, um, well, I so I, I, for those who, who missed the previous episode when we announced it, like, uh, yeah, old elk is sponsoring like a, a booth. So we are sponsoring. At, at we will have a booth at WorkbenchCon, and we are also going to be one of the sponsors of the mixer on Friday night. So the oh yeah, yeah. so that's where we will really shine. But we will have a booth throughout all of WorkbenchCon. We will have interactive things. We will have some personalized items. We will have some opportunity for people to. Uh, learn a little bit about us and hopefully to interact with us on a maker level and a social level and all kinds of things. So big things. Old Elk has got a good, Old Elk's got a good non-corporate story. It's like about making the whiskey and all that good yep. stuff. I like it a lot. Oh yeah. So I'm excited, man. Uh, do, you, do y'all have a cocktail that you're pairing with at least for the Friday? We have event? two cocktails. Or... We're doing can't give it all away. Oh, are you, you going to keep it a secret? No, gonna, I'm going to keep it know, a secret. Let it, let it rip right here. I'm going to keep it a secret. Oh, man. Keep it under that gorgeous hat. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess an old-fashioned. and um, We should start a pool. I don't know what else. Uh, maybe something fruity. Uh, Concord Dandy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yep, that's what we're doing. <laughs> you know what? It'd be a, it'd be a heavy hitter, I guarantee yeah. you. but. We want people to be upright. The I guess y'all would probably call it a, a Kentucky mule. Yeah. Point, but. Um, so yeah, uh, um, that's, that's awesome. I'm excited to see you guys as well. We, we haven't all been in the same room since workbench con last year. So I'm excited to hang with you guys and to see you and just, you know, catch up and do all the things. Yeah. I just, I guess I, I've seen Jess twice. So I, I've since. seen Jess. I haven't um, seen you Colton. 
Uh, yeah. Man, it's your I loss, know, right? Man. Houston's pretty fun, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, we're getting strapped up. Rodeo, well, Rodeo Cookoff is starting next when, or no, sorry, tomorrow. Oh, we're setting up tomorrow for the cookoff. Starts this Thursday. Okay. So that's getting underway, nice. too. Nice. But, yeah, anyone in H-Town and uh, make it on. Yeah. Or nearby cities, I guess. But. Okay. Uh, so I think it's, boys, time to uh, get into a little bit of, what, what are we doing, Jess? You said you had some fun things what for are, us to do. Well, yeah. Do you want to do a little a bit old, of uh, what of the week? What of the week is good. All right, sure. Let's start there. What of the week? Come on. It was just playing a second ago. Wow. 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 So this week's Wood of the Week is fun to say. If you guys would like to say it with me, Mahoo-hoo. it is <laughs> Chakti Viga. Chakti Viga. Chakti Viga. Oh, yeah. Chakti Viga. Yeah, he was a foreign exchange student we had on our basketball team back in the day. Oh, gosh. So Yeah, it's the one tree with the leaves on it that kind of grows up. That's That's right. That is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it started me thinking because he went to Belize, right? And uh, we're going to uh, Belize at some point this year. And um, oh, really? Yeah. And all right, we'll talk about that. So um, this particular wood, Chakti Viga, is known for being found in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. So pretty close to there, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, if you saw it, if anybody wants to look it up. Chakti Viga is um, kind of like a mix between like teak and mahogany and then maybe a little bit of sapwood, a walnut, hmm. like all thrown into one. It's really pretty. It has a lot Does of it like those those little dark veins that go through it or it has orange veins, dark veins, uh, real chocolatey colors into it. But here's oh. the thing that I found that was interesting about it. First of all, it's hard as a rock. It's twenty two hundred. Wow. On the Jenka hardness, right? Okay. So it's up there with it's up there uh with teak and stuff. But they say so it's hard to find a big piece of it from what I've I've tried to find some like larger pieces, like where you're gonna make a big piece of furniture. Maybe if you live over there, but um here in the US it would be hard to get larger pieces. It's very easy to get small pieces. So a lot of people use them to like turn and you know, carve stuff, musical instruments. It has really pen good blanks. Acu- yes, always with the yeah. pen blanks. Uh, yep. It has good acoustic properties because it's so dense for certain types of instruments. But what I did find is, oddly enough, this is kind of like the best of both worlds with like teak and ipe. This stuff glues together just fine, like normal. Really? Right? You don't have to do the whole alcohol thing. But it's rot resistant. And there are fences that they put in Chakti Viga posts with that have been in there for a hundred years and still haven't rotted. Wow. A hundred year old fence. hundred year old fence post buried. Yes. Shoot. So the post would last longer than the, the wire than that goes on it. anything else on it. Right. So it's suitable yeah. for outdoor applications. Um, and so great for like small architectural elements over there. They'll make paneling with it. They'll make decorative beams and, and things like that. Uh, but I just find it to be very a very pretty wood. I will say it is it can be a little much depending on how it's cut. Like it's a lot of color. It can be like a lot of color. 
but kind of like, like the ironwood stuff from yeah movies, like, so like if like it, it's like real stripey if they do like veneers and stuff out of it obviously they pick more subdued grain variations and it's very pretty but um uh, i mean they make furniture flooring turned things inlays all kinds of different stuff um and it has a relative called brazil wood used for like making violin bows it's kind of like along the same lines so yeah that's i bet it. with um on turning it i bet it'd be beautiful with all the different colors you're saying it is like if you got a part that was uh maybe like almost i guess what you call sapwood for right it, like you could have like a wide range of colors while you're turning it like say you're doing like a bowl or like a martini glass looking thing like yeah yeah it's it's just I thought it was really interesting because it's the best of both worlds. You can use it outside, you can glue it together, you can make furniture out of it. It's super hard, it doesn't rot. It seems it like doesn't a, smell and dusty it, farts. And it's and it's beautiful. That I don't know. I couldn't find anything <laughs> about how it smells. But um it does say it's uh it, like it doesn't have any alert what do they call it? Uh like where it gives you um they have like a notice on some woods where when you cut them it causes respiratory problems oh yeah this one doesn't this one does not have that hey that's fun so, no more than anything else so. hey jess can i that's put cool. in a request for the final wood of the week for season one uh, sure because after workbench con starts season two so for the final one yeah because yeah. oh. that's our that's our kickoff oh, for the new year so okay right. yeah that, that's our calendar yeah. year yeah. so whenever you see videos of lumber mills and people cutting trees over in Asia. They're always cutting these trees that are kind of like greenish on the outside and they cut it open and it is like blood red, like bright, bright red. And then they, it's a bloodwood. I I don't know if it's bloodwood or if it's Paduke, but like, I know we've obviously done bloodwood, but bloodwood is mostly in Africa and South America. So in Asia, I don't know if this is Paduke, but when they cut it, it is like vibrantly bright red. And then they end up carving it to make all kinds of beautiful like. It's got to be some type of rosewood. Yeah. But either way, right. I would like if you could figure out yeah. what that is um, and tell us about it. Are you talking about the ones where they yeah. take like a whole tree and then they'll like carve like a whole. Yeah. Like herd of horses running yeah. down a mountain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'll figure it out. Okay. That cool. sounds good. Yeah. And then yeah. also. uh for the, I don't know whether the first of the new season or maybe down the road, but Royal Cedar, I want to learn more about that. The stuff we saw in Nicaragua. Right, Royal Cedar. Hey, and so the other thing, and uh, you were actually out for this, Colton, um, Cedar. Um, you were, we could, you couldn't get a connection that night. We were talking yeah. about what we were going to name the episodes. Yeah for season mm-hmm. two. And so w- me and Ross thought it might be a good idea to, uh, ask the listeners as well, but ask, well, ask the listeners. Yeah. But like oh. to come up with some ideas and then pick it at workbench con. Like we each get a couple things. Oh, at workbench con. And then pull it out of a hat. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like different types of cars or sitcoms or whatever you want to pick it. So come, Come with whatever you think your idea is, Colton, or ask for an idea, and then we will have people vote on it at WorkbenchCon as to what season two episodes should be named after. 
Oh, I love that. Dude, crowdsourcing, yeah. man. I, I feel like anytime you do that, you get the most creative mm-hmm. answers. Like, I, I'm just thinking back to, like, Reddit stuff. I mean, you right? think of, like, the British Navy asking people to to name the next, like, royal military boat. And they called it Boating yes, McBoatface. that's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, Boating McBoatface. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I would love that. Uh, yeah, I, I bet we could make a poll. Where you could input your own answers to yep. and people still vote on the other answers on mm-hmm. Instagram. We could do it. Oh, I see this coming mm-hmm. together. I see it. So wow. that'd be fun. That's the plan. Now, Jess, the question to you is, is there a trivia this week? Yes. Okay. Yes. I have a, I have a very good trivia this week. All right. The hamster in, on the wheel in my head is run, running a little bit better oh, today. All right. So <laughs> you did some bloodletting. That'll do it. <laughs> He may not. Oh, that's fair. I did actually get dizzy. Better get on out that knowledge because it's trivia time. Yeah. So this week's wood uh, trivia, uh, woodworking trivia, is dedicated to Ross. Me. Because Ross loves old ass tools. I do. And I I love old ass tools too. So you will find in this week's trivia a very interesting uh, commonality among a lot of these answers. Okay. So this week's wood trivia is Uh, about ancient tools. Nice. Okay. Woodworking in particular. My kids think I'm an ancient tool. Okay. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So there you go. So who's the most ancient tool? Ross. Question one. All right. You already answered it. All right, question number one. We'll start with Ross since this is for you. Thank you. Which ancient civilization is credited with the invention of the lathe, a fundamental woodworking tool? Hmm. Is it the Greeks, the Egyptians, or the Romans? I'm going to say the Romans. That is incorrect. I was going to... So the lathe... Was invented by the Egyptians, as far as they can tell. It's one of the world's oldest woodworking tools, with evidence suggested as early as 1300 BCE. Uh, it allowed for creation of symmetrical and circular objects. I was going to say the Mesopotamians, but that wasn't one of the options. So I was, it was not. I was SOL from there. Mm. Was not okay. Are you ready, Colt? Let it happen, Captain. The dovetail joint, oh. a hallmark of skilled craftsmanship, was first used by which civilization? Was it A, the Mesopotamians? Was it B, the Egyptians? Or C, the Chinese? Oh, We've talked about this it. several times, Ross. I know, you're, and you're making me sing guess it with the Mesopotamians, but I'm going to say the Chinese. That is incorrect. What? what? Oh. <laughs> It was also the Egyptians. The dovetail joint oh. known for its resistance to being pulled apart was first found Dead in Egyptian gun. furniture back to 31 BCE. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. All right. Question number three. Who is believed to have created the first saws, Ross, utilizing copper and later bronze? Was it the Romans, the Egyptians, or the Greeks? Uh... I'm going to go with the Egyptians once again because they were they were there at the transition of the copper to the bronze age. That is correct. All right. <laughs> oh man, there we go. The 
The earliest songs were likely made by the Egyptians with evidence around 3000 to 2500 BCE. All right. Yeah, the uh, All the right, Greeks the Greeks came in at the end of the Bronze Era into the Iron Era with Spanakopita. Yeah. All right. The mortise antenna joint cult, one of the oldest woodworking joints, was extensively mm. used in the construction of which ancient structure? Was it the Roman Colosseum, the Great Wall of China, or Stonehenge? A mortise and tenon? Mm-hmm. Correct. Rudimentary mortise and tenon. Stonehenge was just rocks on top of rocks, right? There wasn't any joinery in that, right? I don't think there was. Um, what was the other option besides the Roman the Colosseum and the Great Wall of China? We'll go with the Colosseum. That is incorrect. Oh. Was, it? was it Stonehenge? It was Stonehenge, dating back to around 2600 BCE. It showcases oh. the mortise and tenon joint. All the pictures I have of Stonehenge in my head is there, just like a flat are, rock on top of rocks. But Right. There are interlocking I, parts of the structure there without adhesives. Uh, okay. Uh, here we go again. Ross, which civilization is known for its advanced use of the plane, improving its design for fine woodworking tasks? Was it the Chinese, oh. the Egyptians, or the Romans? Uh... And I will say advanced use of the plane. Advanced use of the plane, I'm going to give to the Chinese. Incorrect. Yeah. Oh, I was going to guess Chinese too. So remember, this says advanced use of the plane, improving its design for fine woodworking tasks. So it could be that the Chinese invented it, but the Romans refined the plane, making it an indispensable tool for woodworking. I I didn't. So, I, I actually uh, didn't think the they, Chinese they, invented it. I thought they may have improved upon it. Uh, well, they did that's later. Was that's thinking, for sure. Yeah. I know the Japanese. Well, Roman really planes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we, we've all seen the videos where they're doing like that paper thin. Well, that's Japanese, though. Like the competition. Uh, Japanese. So, well, mind. by the first century, Roman planes featured iron blades and were used for smoothing and shaping. Hmm. Okay. An advancement mm. over earlier designs. Okay. All right. Here we go. Question number six, Colton. The pulley... Enhancing the capability to lift heavy objects in construction was invented by which ancient thinker? Was it Socrates? I was going to say Egyptians, but... uh, (laughs) Was it Socrates? Think about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Socrates or Socrates? Hmm. That's Bill and Ted. Okay. Uh, Archimedes or Aristotle? Aramedes. That wasn't one of the... I thought it was your what was the second Archimedes Archimedes, Archimedes. Aris, I thought you were mixing two Excuse me All right yeah. uh, Archimedes is correct All right Yeah he sounded the oldest yeah. Archimedes of Syracuse The other two guys were beyond it that seems From 287 to, me, to 212 It seems to me that all yeah. you've learned Jess is that Caesar was a salad dressing dude <laughs> That's right <laughs> So great uh, Archimedes of Syracuse is credited with the invention of the pulley system, which had profound implications for lifting heavy objects. Objects uh, at two eighty-seven mm-hmm. to two twelve BCE, very early. Mm-hmm. All right, All here right, we I'm go. On the board. We're going I'm on the board. We're going That's way back again, Ross. Right. The bow drill 
Okay. The bow drill, an early tool used for making fire and drilling holes, was first utilized by which people? Was it the Harapins, Mesopotamians, or Egyptians? The Harapins. That is correct. The Harapin civilization flourishing around 3300 to 1300 BCE in the Indus Valley, also called the Indus Valley Civilization, used the bow drill for woodworking and making fire. There you go. All right. Very, very good. All right. These are getting tricky. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's a good one. Uh, Colt, which civilization developed the earliest known version of the chisel? Was it the Romans, the Egyptians, or the Sumerians? Ooh. Oh, let's, um, Sumerians. That is incorrect. Oh, was it the Egyptians? The Egyptians again. Those guys were uh, very oh. advanced. As early as 3000 BCE, utilized chisels made from copper and later bronze. Hmm. Talked myself okay. out of it, man. They even would carved wood and stone with them. All right. Mm. Here we go. Two more questions. Ross, the concept of the veneer, we talked about this, mm-hmm. was it last week? Yep, on yeah. plywoods. All right. So we're going yeah. we're going back to the to beginning of before they started to laminate them together. The concept of the veneer, thin decorative layers of fine wood, can be traced back to which ancient culture? The Greeks, the Persians, or the Egyptians? The Persians. That is incorrect. Hmm. <laughs> you were so confident about it, too. Wait, well, I, the, I have no idea what it is. The use of veneers dates back to the Egyptians again, Ooh. around 1550 Gosh. BCE, where they applied thin layers of fine wood to cheaper substrates, huh. a technique that conserves scarce or expensive wood and decorated furniture explicitly. Well, it's All not right. fair. They had alien influence when they were building the, this is true. the pyramids. So. Yeah. yeah, and they weren't. Yeah. Joe Rogan said it. I heard it. All right. Yeah. Uh, last question. This is a tricky one. And I have a one bonus question. Okay. Question oh. number 10. Ancient Chinese woodworking is renowned for its joinery techniques without the use of nails, right? Mm-hmm. Which dynasty is particularly noted for advancing these techniques? Is it the Ming dynasty, the Qing dynasty, spelled with a Q? Or the Zhou, Z-H-O-U dynasty. Ming, King, Zhou. King. Which one? King? King dynasty. King. It is... With a Q. That is incorrect. Oh, sorry. It is the Ming dynasty uh, from 1368 to 1644 CE. It's celebrated for its advancements in woodworking hmm. and joinery. And the whole crazy thing we talked about with those places that have survived dozens of yeah. earthquakes at like 8.0 and there's no glue and they just stay still still there. Yep. All right. Bonus question. We're going to do two. Okay. All right. One for each of you. What is the oldest known woodworking tool, Ross? No multiple choice. Uh, and I'll give you a clue. The axe. I'll give you a clue. It's it's not an axe, but it's something like it. Uh, and I only know what this is because I have one. A hatchet? Oh. <laughs> is that your final answer? No, it's um it's gotta be the the one that's used like 
Kind of looks like an uh, uh, uh. It looks like an axe, but it's got like the scooped end to be able to carve out uh, a canoe. Uh-huh. I don't know what you the know name what of called? it is. It's called an ads. A D Z E an ads. There you go. And they oh, still make them. They do. You can still buy them. Yep. Yeah, I, they're Learn great. Something today, baby. And yeah. ads, yes, and ads. So that is as far back as they can find. Uh, yep. Okay. BATB brought to you ads free. That's right. <laughs> this one. That's right. Ads free. Yeah. <laughs> this one uh, exception. Okay. Now I did. I know what this is, but I did not know this is what it was called. Okay. This ancient tool was used for drilling holes in wood before the invention of power drills. Okay. We talked about it. You gave it to me as one of the questions, right? No. Oh. No. This ancient tool was used for drilling holes in wood before the invention of power drills, right? And I'll give you a clue. All right. Can you see my hands? Uh, I can see one. Yeah. All right. What's that called? Hand drill? They still I mean, sell them. They still make I have them. one in my house. I, I mean, auger. You know, and that's what I thought it was called. And that is incorrect because that is the bit. But that is not. What is it called? A brace and bit or a bit and brace. People call it two, two different ways. Bit and brace. If you bit literally can buy them, okay. like. Yeah. You can still buy them. They're called, still called a bit and brace or a brace and bit. There are still, yeah. there are full people devoted to no power tool woodworking. And that's how they yeah. drill holes. There's so much fun. I'll, Have I'll you guys ever heard of a sector? About that. Uh, a sector? A sector? I've heard of a scepter, but not a sector. No, it's a, it's a woodworking tool. So like, I've it's, heard of a septum, it's this piece but... of, it's like, kind of like a folding rule, right? Okay. And it goes like this. It's flat. It's all these numbers all over it. Okay. And you have a compass. And you can figure out circles and and dimensions and diameters and circumferences. You can figure out triangles and rectangles and all this thing with a thing called a sector. And people are – I mean you can still buy them, but it's very – um, it's very, it's a really interesting math thing because like all the math is right there with these little marks and you just put your compass in a certain way and hold that a certain way. And it'll tell you like what the circumference of a circle of this particular circle That's is. Crazy. It'll tell you how to figure out the area of a triangle. Yeah. Look it up. Sector S E C T O R. The thing I'm most impressed by, if you talk about ancient tools is actually the, I guess it was a compass way back when, but it was the tool that was used by ship captains to navigate by the stars. And it just yes. looks like a triangle mm-hmm. on a pivot with like a, a an eyeglass hole. Yeah. And they're able... And they still use them. Yeah. And they're able to completely triangulate where they were on the earth from looking at the stars through this thing. And I think... And timing it. Yeah. yeah. And I literally think, you know, as people have talked about like, what happens if World War Three goes on? What happens after that? And I'm like, well, we're all screwed because none of us know how to do any of this stuff anymore. So that guy that I was on the boat, I did the cabinets. Yeah. I was like, what happens like if everything goes out, man? Like, yeah. and you're out here. Like, I want to know because he's really smart, yeah. obviously. And he, um, he goes, well, I was like, he's like, I've got generators. I've got. He was, I was talking about water, and I was like, what about like, like where you are, like how to get wherever it is you're going. Cause you have sails, yeah. you know, like you don't have any gas. You can't use your motors or whatever. And he said, I have, and he said the name of it. I forget what it's called. Yeah. 
But he, I was like, you know how to use it? And he goes, yeah, I taught myself how to use it just in case. That's awesome. You know, he's like, I found it interesting. So it's yeah. still possible. Some maps and a little eyeglass. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully YouTube stays on for just a little bit longer. Yeah. If we ever do get that apocalypse, yeah. we can go learn yeah. it real quick. Or just and, find uh, one of those guys that knows how to do it. Sure. Find some old timer. Yeah. yeah. Save a few videos. <laughs> like World War II. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was this week's trivia. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, Colton, you ready to do a little bit of drinking? Hey, buddy. (laughs) Lay it on me, brother. All right. Showtime. Woo, 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 woo. The Whiskey of the Week. So the Whiskey of the Week last week was the Forty Creek Confederation Oak. So Colton, my friend, were you able to procure it and did it dandy? So I did find some Forty Creek, not the Confederation okay. Oak, but I did get instead the uh, the Copper okay. Pot, and it was the the nicest variation at the uh, the local liquor okay. store that we had. And man, it was. I'd like to still plan to get the Confederation Oak, but this one. It, it, it was like taking a big old bite out of a freaking maple tree, right? Oh. Like it, minus, not like the what it would actually taste like, like the real <laughs> like bitter yeah. wood stuff, but like what you would imagine like, the sap fantasizing yeah. tasting about. Like it, it tasted like it already had like bitters in mm. it, man. Like it, it uh had a real deep flavor, and so for the cocktail with this one. I decided to go back to the old fashioned, I guess I'm just going to call it a Canadian old fashioned at this point where instead of the simple syrup, we do a bit of this, the maple syrup. Yeah. And, um, Crystal got us again, like uh, per request this like real fancy pantsy, um, maple syrup, like organic, whatever. It's almost grainy. Right. And, that and then what? Um, a few dashes of the Angostura, and then a few dashes, but a little bit less of the orange bitters, and this Forty Creek, and it turned out really good. Awesome! Uh, actually, had four people get to try it out today, right? So I said Dylan was staying with us this week, and uh, he got to try it out. He liked it, and um, Crystal was a big fan, and then Rigo, um, he's been coming over the shop and working on. Um, uh, a few boards with me he uh he liked it too and like um him and dylan aren't huge like liquor drinkers okay like they prefer their their coors lights and and bud lights and they uh they were big fans of it. awesome and uh I, I was hoping to have a fun quote like i was watching crystal is like all right baby try this like when she got home from work and uh she uh she didn't have any fun responses she just said like oh that's good hmm. But I, I'm getting better at my cocktails. Man. So what are what are your and, thoughts um, overall on Forty Creek coming back now to Canadian whiskey? What are your thoughts of this in the rankings yeah. of Canadian whiskeys you've had? Oh, in the rankings. So this one does get some bonus points for the the weird factor. Uh, uh, there's probably a better name for it. The 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 original factor, okay. I guess, like like the originality, but um, originality, yeah. It, um, you know, like most Canadians, it doesn't have a lot of bite. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I can't remember what was the last Canadian we had. Um, we, we we did the uh, the one with the horse on it. Um, with the Pendleton. Horse. But the last Canadian you did was Pendleton. Crown Royal. Oh oh yeah, this one blows Crown Crown Royal out the water. <laughs> I hate to say that, but I mean Crown. I mean maybe I've had too much, honestly. But it's just it uh it'll get you drunk. Like that's that's about what all crowns good for for me at least. I like I like but, that I've um, spoiled you over this past year. <laughs> you have you've ruined me. <laughs> but I mean, not right. I mean, I'll shoot, I'll still drink it. But um, but yeah, it uh, this one was neat, man. And the copper pot, I, I wanted to ask you what that means. So uh, um, basically, that means that in distillation, there are two main types of stills that you can use. There is either a a pot still, which is typically made out of copper and or brass. A lot of times it's brass. Uh, copper gives it a slightly different flavor profile. And then there is a continuous still. And the difference between a continuous still and a pot still is that pot stills are done in batches. So let's say you put in 100 liters or gallons of, uh, of fermented uh, wort which is basically the beer-like substance that comes off of the fermentation tank that has the first bit of alcohol. You put all of that liquid that comes out of there, so let's say 100 gallons for a round number, put it into the uh, copper pot still, or at least a pot still. You distill it down until you then uh, raise your first level of alcohol, then typically you do it at least one more time. Irish whiskey is done three times, so three separate distillation. Yeah, I remember talking about the triple yeah. distilled. Yeah, uh, continuous yeah. stills are more more used for American whiskey and bourbons, where basically they take all that product coming off the fermentation tank, they put it into this one still that continually works over and over, uh, almost like your water heater at home, and uh, it continuously ferments or uh, distills everything down. And once you get to the point where you're not getting any more good liquid off of it, then you basically just cut it off and uh, you're done with that batch. So, but you can keep adding stuff into a continuous still and run it 24 seven. If you want to, you just have to have enough fermentation batches lined up. Whereas a gotcha. pot still distillation has to be done basically one-to-one as far as ratios. So you can only do as many as you have lined up, uh, fermentation wise. And then copper pots is just yeah. The, it almost reminds me of like a fresh hopped IPA beer. Yes, right. Where they like continually add hops throughout the brewing process. Yep. yep. Similar yeah. idea. So, uh, on that note, but I, yeah. I, I actually wanted to have you do a little bit more education on a region we have not consumed a lot of. The whiskey for this oh, week will be we Fuji Japanese whiskey. It was actually Is rated as oh. uh, number eighteen in the. Most recent whiskey advocate, top 20 whiskeys uh, of the world. It was rated number 18. And uh, for the price that it is, which is usually around 60 to 70 bucks for a bottle, that's actually very inexpensive for Japanese whiskey. Uh, But Japanese whiskey traditionally is made in a Scotch whiskey style with a little bit more flair to it. So I'm curious to see. Is it from the, yeah. Is it from the same distillery as like the Hibiki? Uh, I don't, I, I didn't see. I can't remember the name of that. Distillery uh, right now. Suntory whiskey. 
Centauri yeah, I don't know yeah. if this is from the Centauri factory or if this is from the Nika distillery. Uh, there's really two main distilleries in Japan. There's a small, a few smaller ones, but those are your two main ones. I'm not sure which one it comes from, but it is uh, one of the top heralded Japanese whiskeys of 2023. So, yeah, you think we should do? Uh, well, I think so. Japanese whiskeys are typically lighter, right? Traditionally, like, compared to yep. like a, a American yes. bourbon, yes. right? Uh, uh, for since we are gonna mix it into a cocktail, um. I've heard like a Tom Collins is pretty whiskey forward. It can be. And not overpowering. I would um, actually try and do, look up an, uh, I, I may send you some recipes, but look up some cocktails that use kind of an apple flavor. Apple. apple. And oh, that, okay. that should work pretty yeah. well with this one. You got it. Because it is actually time of year that the cherry blossoms start to bloom in Japan. So, oh, it's usually end of February into early March. So, world renowned cherry blossoms. Yes, I mean, people get that tattooed refreshing. on them. All the they time. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a some sort of something that ends in a spritzer. Yes. maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Terms. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, that is the whiskey of the oh, week. Ooh, that may be a new favorite for Crystal. There you too. go. I'm, Something light like that. So Jess, I wanted to ask you, do you have a nugget for this week? Um, My nugget would be, I have two nuggets. One, stop and make a jig. Stop and make a jig. And don't make a jig for just this one thing, unless it's just totally obscure. Take a minute, take a couple hours, and make one that you're going to keep that works. And if it doesn't work, make it again and make it one time because the key that I have always seen, and you'll see this with famous and excellent woodworkers is their jigs. Mm -hmm. It's always about a jig. I mean, you can take, make a tool that normally you wouldn't think could do something and, and um, make it do all kinds of different things with jigs. So take the time, buy you some of those knobs or T tracks or whatever kind of, accoutrements that you like for your woodworking shop and buy a handful of them on Amazon and just have them lying around anytime you want to make something. And, and, and because I have, that's something that I didn't take a lot of time in my last shop to do. And we did for a few things, but like, um, they weren't as functional or safe as they could be, you know, or as accurate. And so that reminds me of a rap song. Get jiggy with it. That's right. Get jiggy with it. Oh, and the other thing is, is get jiggy with it. On that same note, like, like, so you all that plywood crap, like all these scraps, especially if you ever make a cabinet, how much stuff you have left over. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Like plywood is the greatest thing ever for jigs because it's nice and straight yep. and sturdy. Oh um, man. The other thing that I was going to say is, is that anytime that there's something that you hate doing. um, or you're scared to do, um, just keep doing it and you will surprise yourself. You might actually get good at it. Mm -hmm. Like this last kitchen that we did, I got it in, in like two days and it's perfect. And like I had, you know, I had made all, I had already made all my mistakes. I knew what I was doing 
And I was like, no, we can't do that because this will do that. Like I already knew before I even did it. Nice. And so I, when I started this, I said, I don't want to do kitchens yep. at all. I didn't want to build them. And I still don't because there's no money in that. But um, I make some of the stuff and then, you know, we buy some of the stuff and I found a product that works, but installing it was always hard for me. Very hard because I'm very particular. You know, I know what I want my kitchen to look like. And walls are never straight. Floors are never straight. No, no. And you learn how to deal with that. Yeah. You learn what you can get away with and so on and so forth. So um, persevere. Persevere. If it's worth doing, yeah, persevere yeah. because you might surprise yourself. Oh, yeah. You might get good at it. I like it. How about you, Colton? Yeah. Mm, my nugget goes back to our uh, the beginning of this podcast where I uh, talked about almost losing my little thumb nugget right <laughs> here. Almost lost a nugget off of my thumb. Um, I just want to tell everyone to like remain humble and don't lose a digit over being too cocky or in too much of a hurry. Just a quick reminder. Yeah. Just stay safe. Don't lose. a. Never digit. lose the healthy fear of your machinery. No. Yeah. Don't be like, be the old wise man with all 10 fingers. Don't be the old wise woodworker with a missing hmm. one. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, mine also harkens back to earlier in the episode and to Colton's point that he said, I wanted to quote my t-shirts and say, do it right. Whatever it takes. There are times you got to eat crow. There are times that you got to put out a product that, uh, that you're happy with. And if you're not happy with it, the customer might be, but I guarantee if you're proud of what you're putting out, the customer is going to love it every time. So do it right. Take the time. It may cost you a little bit, but your reputation will definitely proceed you as far as your work goes. So, yeah. Yeah. I I have a theory on that. I think that customers like for like the little bitty nitty gritty details, right? Mm -hmm. Like they may not notice it. Like not every customer is going to notice it or even appreciate it. Or even know what the heck they're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if you're consistent in your work and you do that every time, it will get noticed over time. It just may not be every single time. Correct. And so I, I know a lot of people who do a lot less than they than they could just because, like, they've noticed a lot of people don't notice it. And, yeah, I, I say uh, almost like a moral compass, yep. man. Like, stay to it. Keep doing the little stuff, even if it, you think it's not going to get noticed, and it pays if off. If you think of some of those like say, unbelievable joints of dovetails that are like forty-five degree dovetails that go into a joint that literally looks like it's butt-ended, and you're never going to see that joint, but it's so perfectly done that there's no gap, there's no seam, and no one, absolutely nobody except the guy who made it, is going to know. To look in there and be like, that is a perfectly done miter dovetail joint that is totally never going to be appreciated. But you know it's done right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. That's a really strong miter. I I will say that – I forgot what I was going to say actually. Oh, I would say that (laughs) – I will say that um, woodworking is still one of the trades. Like if you built a house, right? Like you're not going to go in and shake the 
the guy's hand that did your drywall or shake the guy's hand <laughs> and, that did your painting. Go, man, you're such a good painter. You know, you just probably not going to happen. Yeah. But it that gratification yeah. is still there with woodwork. People when still have, I feel like, mm. especially the kind of people that pay for it, an appreciation for custom woodwork. And when they get something done, like a piece of furniture made, they're going to look at it and go, man, this is really great. You did so good. Like you still do get that gratification yeah. um, uh, from yeah. it. So that's nice. That's a nice part of the trade. I think it'll always be like that. Yeah. Well, I always like thinking whenever you're doing more of like a permanent piece, like something that's going to be there for a long time. Like I'm thinking, you know, decades down the road and like someone's holding and touching this thing. And uh, whether it has your brand on it or not, like uh, there's still a story behind how they got it. And uh, is it still going to be there? And what are they going to think when they see it? You know, Uh, I think about that a lot. Yeah. Nice. Well, gentlemen, I I wanted to say more than anything else, I'm really excited to see both of you next week. We we will see each other, obviously, for the podcast. I was going to say next week. Yeah. We will we will see yes. each other for the podcast oh. before we embark on Workbench Con, but I'm stoked to uh, to hang out with you boys at the end of next week. So, until then, gentlemen, Drink some good old elk whiskey. Yeah, we shall. <laughs> we shall. Yeah. Uh, so, with that in mind, are there anything else you boys wanted to add? No, I'm good. That's it for me, okay. brother. Then to all of our listeners out there, make sure you hit like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our kissing booth, kid, sorry, kissing booth frequenting law firm, Smoochum, Hook'em, and Book'em, where their motto is, we come at you like the kissing bandit at the bar. We build you up, turn you on, then rob you blind. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast. We will catch you all next time. Yeah.